Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. This is episode 8. This is kind of a reaction, spoiler-free reaction episode to um, Blade Runner 2049, which I've seen twice already. Um, And uh, I'm still a bit speechless, but I'm not speechless enough that I can't talk about it. Um, And yeah, we're here, it's just uh, Patrick and I today. Um, just to give our reaction, our impressions, our thoughts, our feelings on what we've seen, and uh, we—it was a hell of a movie. It was a—it was—it didn't even feel like a movie. It felt like entering mm-hmm. a fully conceived and thought out universe that, like, I didn't even know existed. It, it felt like—I I mean, I—I I couldn't, you know, I, I texted you after I got out of the movie. I literally couldn't talk. Um, I—I I was like crying. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I had seen something that was tr- that it transcended what I even thought it would be, and mm-hmm. and I it's it's like so it's such it's such a gift that we get something like this right now, you know that like that that we've been waiting that long. I mean, I've been waiting for this movie since I was in middle school, you know. Like <laughs> I've been like waiting to see what happened to Rachel and Deckard, especially since I was in middle school. Yeah. And and now and now we know, and we know so much more, and we have even more questions now. And we got this movie delivered that felt like a fully thought out, beautifully rendered um, sequel that that I think, I mean I, I don't want to say it surpasses the first film because I, I I don't know if it if it if it could, but it might. I mean it might be better than the first movie and 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 I think we're gonna have a a, a better context for that as time goes on and we see it more and more. But I mean I I, I just I I don't think it could have been done any better than it was. Yeah. I have I have extremely minor complaints about it but as a as a whole i just thought i, I mean I, I give it i give it 10 out of 10 honestly personally and, and i i never do that yeah i give i give it 10 out of 10 i i i am in echoing i echo your sentiments there is i have one minor question about this something that happened in a plot and i'm like how'd that happen um aside from that and you know when i started uh in terms of just music i was like oh, okay the music's all right it's okay it's okay by the end of it, I was like, I fucking love this music. Like, mm. and I've been listening to the soundtrack all day long, and it's not so much that the soundtrack it transports me into that world. That's what it does, flawlessly, brilliantly. Um, I feel I like I'm feeling uh, Kay's emotions when I hear that music. I feel them. I feel them living inside me. Um, I, I I walked away from that film. I could couldn't get myself to leave the theater. I just wanted to stay. I wanted to stay and listen. I want to stay and keep contact with that world. And it's amazing to see a film, the sequel that I never asked for, that no one ever asked for, um, return us to that world in such a different way, but such an authentic way. And just some of the moments in that film that just were, Oh, I you know, and we're gonna talk about it in our spoiler filled. <laughs> I know uh, it's so hard because there's so many spoilers <laughs> that I keep wanting to say. But yeah, not- yeah, and we're gonna do that in a little bit. But this episode is just <laughs> our impressions. But really, um, I mean, I I left the theater, barely left the theater in love, in love with what I saw, um, and I had seen a couple of people before uh, post. I mean, mostly the reviews have not just been positive; they've been fucking glowing, um, oh. and from hardcore fans. Some heart, uh, like our friend, uh, a friend of ours, more yours, Froilian Gardner, who did our, who did the Rachel art for our logo. He posted, he said, you know, I'm one of those people who I expected to poo poo the sequel after I saw it because that's how much the original, um, means to me. And he goes, but I can't. 
because what I saw was amazing. I'm paraphrasing what he's saying. Um, right. And when the hardcore fans are talking about the movie this way, hardcore purist Blade Runner fans, you pulled off a fucking miracle. I know, um, I know. And I've been I've been trying to think about like why, like why we talk about, for example, like aliens being um, on par with, and for, for some people, not me, but for some people, surpassing the original Alien film or Terminator Two or Godfather Part Two. Like why why there are these occasional sequels that somehow seem to improve the original. And, and I think it has something to do with being very true to the core that creates the original film, like like find, finding what the, what, the real, what the original film was actually about, regardless of the plot, regardless of the narrative, like what it was really saying, finding what it was really saying, and then taking that outwards more and more intensely, like, like going in deeper to it and also broadening it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what this movie does so masterfully, I mean just so masterfully, is it, is it figures out what Blade Runner is really about. And I won't say too much about that, for, you know, to leave out spoilers. But it, but it, it really found out what the essence of Blade Runner was, and then it went all in on it, you know. And we got more layers to that to talk about. We got more uh, from an aesthetic standpoint to marvel in. We got more from a sonic standpoint to just be in awe of. And we got more from a performance standpoint to just uh, consider. I mean, I mean, some of these performances are the best I've seen from these actors' careers. And, and some of these actors have had pretty fucking impressive careers. Like, on, on the way out of the theater, um, we saw it in IMAX, which I also completely recommend. Do the IMAX 2D for this, because anything less is, is doing somewhat of a disservice, because it's just, like, it's so immersive and beautiful. Just do IMAX. We're walking out of the IMAX theater, and, uh, and the first thing I see is the Empire poster. And it's got, you know, Han Solo on it, front and center, who's, like, you know, my guy. I was thinking, man, like Harrison Ford has been in so many movies that have been so transformative for so many people's lives, and this, in my opinion, is his best performance ever. I think he, I think he, just nails Deckard in a way that I, I, I didn't think he could be nailed because in the first, in in, in 2019, um, he's he's so reserved for so much of it, and when he when he's able to let go of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's very powerful. But for the most part, he's a very quiet character, who is almost like a cipher for us in the film. And this one, because his role is more limited but also more potent, he's really given a lot of room to, to really act and to like really get at that character. And also that character has been simmering for decades, you mm-hmm. know? That character has been has been intensifying for decades. And we see that and we see the stakes are so fucking high for him. And he just like acts the shit out of it. And Ryan Gosling, oh my god, I I mean he's somebody who I have had respect for. He's somebody who I, I know has turned in some amazing performances, but he's also somebody who I think of as kind of an underactor, like this sort of like this. Um, he he deliberately goes for this kind of uh, reserved affect to allow the story to to propel itself forward, and he kind of just like supports that, which I think is really admirable. But in this one, he like I mean, he just takes that approach to an art form. Mm-hmm. Officer K is so nuanced and so complete. And so real, like I, I just, I just felt like I could like reach into the screen and, and like stroke that fucking beautiful jacket. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I felt like he was right there. Yeah. I, like I, I feel like he has always existed. That character to me is just like Deckard. He, he's somebody who has a past and a future, and who exists outside of one film as a fully realized character. Yeah. Just like Rachel. You yeah. know, like, like, like I, I love Officer K. I, I, I have so many yeah. questions about that character that, that I yeah. can't wait to discuss with you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the performances were incredible. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Gosling's Officer K, by the end of the film, I mean, uh, for me, Rachel is the heart and soul of Blade Runner, and I have more of the original 
Um, and I have more thoughts about her role in um, 2049, but certainly I left the 2049 with a piece of Officer K's heart in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And there's moments in his performance uh, that we will talk about uh, in our next episode um, that uh, just break, broke my heart. Um, but at the same time, he's enigmatic. He's an enigmatic actor. He makes very interesting choices. Um, and aside from that, there are so many things, for instance, um, that 2049 that Denis Villeneuve gets right. And I'll, I'll compare it to The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens and 2049 are similar f- are similar in terms of what they're trying to achieve. Um, the, tw- the Force Awakens has tried to and attempted to, and successfully in many ways, reintroduced us to this, the world of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, post Return of the Jedi, post prequels, all that stuff. Um, but as many of us know, the, the Force Awakens took some very specific tropes from the original films and they replayed them in a in in, in a very blatant way, there's a spin-off way, but a blatant way. Um, and you know, there's enough amazing stuff in the Force Awakens. I love the film that it worked. Twenty forty nine, and we'll get into this later, but twenty forty nine re-engages the the aesthetic and the world and the atmosphere of Blade Runner and it does it in a way that I have not seen any sequel do it before. There's no like tip of the hat, oh yeah, look, you've seen this before. You know what I mean? Like that right. foreshadowing or post-shadowing um, like s- same line or a lot of films will do they'll have a character say the same lines or there'll be another beat repeated 2049 doesn't do any of that, yet maintains the integrity of the original. It's its own thing. It's completely original. With echoes of the past story, you feel the the heartbeat of the original film in this film. You feel it. And in some ways, you know, we'll get into it later, you do more than feel it. Um, and I, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, I, I raise my glass to Denny Villeneuve. He is, this film is truly a miracle. It is the, probably right now, um, it is the best sequel I have ever seen. I, I, I dude, I gotta agree with you. I, I feel, I feel bad that we're like, you know, in such agreement about this film because it's probably not going to make for a very interesting review. But I'm, I, I can't, I can't, I cannot fathom a better sequel being made than this. You know, it's funny you say The Force Awakens. I, I, I agree that there's parallels between them. But for me, the only other sequel that I've seen in in modern cinematic history, of course, there's like older movies that like the ones that I already mentioned that you know are similarly just incredibly impressive. But in terms of, like, my modern adult cinema life, Mad Max Fury Road for me was okay. similar because it was, it was like, a, a purification of the values of the original, and it was, like, a, an explosion of the aesthetic of it, and it made, a, it, made it, 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 like, built on, it built strength upon strength. Um, that, that's the only thing that comes close, um, in my opinion, to 2049. And I think it pales. I think 2049 is, is a better sequel than um than fury road was to the previous three mad max films Mm -hmm. although was fury road in the same timeline or i felt like it was like i mean it's new actors new everything is it supposed to be a sequel um no no, it's actually kind of unclear uh i think i think deliberately it's kind of unclear if it's if it actually follows any sort of a timeline compared to the other films okay um I, I think, yeah, it was not like, you're right, it was not like this. It wasn't like a linear progression with an actual, like, you know, chronological 
um, event progression, linking the films together and the characters together. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. They're not even really that comparable. But for, for me, just from like a, a like the sort of, uh, you know, like, like a, a, a master stroke, um, there's a lot of similarities there. But but again, but 2049, I mean, I, I it's it's one of my favorite movies. And, and I and I just saw it for the first time yesterday, you know, it's one of my favorite movies. It, it, it was it was one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life yeah. on a movie screen. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I, I only have uh, I have two minor quibbles with it. One I can talk about here, and one I will save for the spoiler episode. Um, my 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 only quibble, which is again really minor, is that I think every single aspect of the film is superior to 2019, except the music. I think that um, I, I think everything in this movie is like just one notch above the quality of the original film. I think the music is just. It's really good, and I've been listening to it, and I really enjoy it a lot. But it, it is not as masterful as as Vangelis's original soundtrack was, in my opinion. And and I, I don't think that it is quite up to the par of the rest of the film. But as a as a as an element of storytelling, buttressing music, like what we know Zimmer does a great job with, I think it's I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that it it trends toward the generic too frequently. I think it's not particularly memorable. Um, I think that it recedes a little bit too much, in my opinion, for a movie that, um, you know, 2019, the music was its own character very much. And, and in this one, there are moments of that, but I think in general, it stays a little bit in the shadows. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think that um, because, I, I mean, like the cinematography in this is, is just it's just it, it makes your eyeballs fucking melt. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. You mm-hmm. know, the acting in this is just so expansive. And so the supporting characters are so interesting. The writing is I mean. I, again, I'm, I, I don't want to get into spoilers, but but the, the, there are there are sequences in this movie that I memorized the first time I saw them yeah. because they were so well written. It yeah. just felt like it just indelibly imprinted itself in my heart, you know. Um, interlocking I mean, cells, in, interlocking incredible. cells. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, we, won't, we can't say too much about it, but yeah. yes. Um, that's something I was actually specifically thinking about. But but for me, the music it's like it's like it was awesome. I loved it. I don't think it was it was it was as transcendent as the rest of the film was, but you know that's an extremely minor complaint. Yeah. Given the fact that I'm complaining about something that I just admitted I really enjoyed, I think the music is really good. And Other you know, than that, I, I think it's just perfect. Yeah, and you know, to here's what do I? I in many ways I agree with you. The I think that the music it isn't up to the standard of the original, but I also don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's its own thing. I think that. Uh, the film itself and the storytelling and the acting and the world building makes up for the character the music lacks. I don't think the music in this film is supposed to be a character. The music in this film doesn't need to be a character. Whereas I feel like the original film is far more noir than 2049. I didn't get the sense of noir so much from this. Um, I got, I mean, it's amazing. It doesn't need to be another noir. But I felt like the music, it... uh, it was kind of like this sphere, this atmospheric sphere around this film, and that's all it needed mm-hmm. to be. Um, but we can get Good into point. it. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think there's definitely a case to be made for that. It's funny, you mentioned that it's not as noir, um, and you're completely right. I'm thinking like how much this actually um, diverts from a lot of the stylistic underpinnings of the first film. And not only a kind of minor things, but it, but it actually it, it diverts from it in like pretty sub- substantive ways. Like the, the movie on the whole is very bright, actually. Um, it's it's very open. Uh, yeah. You know, like it's not always like that, but it, it it really feels like that. It's also from a genre standpoint a little bit more straightforward. 
Um, it's it's not as murky. The characters are a little bit easier to decipher. Um, it 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 does it it does a lot of things differently than the original film does, but it does them so well that it doesn't come across like it's a like it's a bad thing, you know. Yeah. With with other sequels that are more um, that that are similarly different from the source material, where it's not executed at quite a high as high a level, we focus on those things, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we say, like like you know better than anybody that I love Alien Covenant, right? Like I I, I still do, and I always will. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I know that I'm not the only I, I know that, you know, that there are other opinions to this and they're su- obviously completely valid. But the thing is, is that like Alien Covenant takes very big steps away from the source material and takes it in very, I think, brave directions. But because it's not executed as perfectly as this, it, you really notice those things. You know, you really get fixated on like, why did they do this? Like, why did they change this? Why does it look like that? Why is it, you know, and, and, and that makes sense because you're distracted by that. But this one, every time it, it – it, because it was just done so perfectly, every time that it changed from my expectation, I was enraptured by it. I was like, oh, my God, you know? Like, I there there are, there are stretches of 10 minutes of this movie where my mouth was just open. Mm-hmm. Like, I was mm-hmm. just, like, sitting there, like, lying back in the IMAX chair with my – I mean, the, the whole sequence um, – well, I won't say exactly what's happening, but I will say that there's radioactivity that leads them to a, a new location. Where they end up going during that sequence oh. is just some of the most rapturous imagery yeah. I've ever seen in my life on yeah. a movie screen. And I've seen freaking Baraka before, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, and that and that introduction into that uh, radioactive area has a loud uh, audio that boom. Um mm-hmm. Which was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment of transition. Um, it was powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. The sound uh, design is incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's oh it's it's it, it's Denny Villeneuve's best film by far. I agree. Um, I agree. And, and I know we're both very big fans of his other movies, and and we're both saying that you know. But I, I also I, think I, it's darker than 2019. By far, mm-hmm. it's a darker tale. It is a darker tale. It's a more sinister tale. Um, where I felt like the original, it's kind of straightforward. You got the cop, you got the guys on the street. There's some murkiness. Who's the bad guy? Who isn't? Um, but it's a pretty straightforward kind of 1940s cop noir. Right. Um, and 2049 right. kind of throws a lot of that on its head, to be honest with you. But we can get into that in a little bit. Um, right. So I give brief shout outs also. And I think that, uh, that, that Sylvia hoax as love was just, amazing yes. i think that was an incredible part i think ana de armas as joy was like just i mean what a career making thing for her she, her part is very contained and not particularly large but she does so much with it she's just unforgettable in that part and i think she is going to have such a great career i think dave bautista as we already mentioned previously i think he was just amazing i i, I really wish that he had more to work with in this film but i think what he had was just incredible um and I think a lot of the, I think Carla Jury, I, I had never even seen her in anything um, before this, and I was just completely taken with her performance. I, I think that it's just full of these characters that you could write novels about, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. They're, they're so they're so interesting. And many of the people that I mentioned, you see on screen for maybe a total of three minutes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but those three minutes are unforgettable. Yeah. They're just they're just unforgettable. Yeah. And and when you add that up into a movie that's that's almost three hours long full of moments unforgettable like that i mean how how can you ask for anything more yeah yeah well i'm gonna go see it again on imax uh probably tuesday um just because i have to third time Uh, i don't know how many times i'm gonna see this but i would say that that wraps up our our impressions of 
uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, so thanks everyone for listening and uh, tune in. We're going to have a spoiler-filled episode coming up in a little bit. Enjoy it, guys. <laughs> <laughs>